Sir, we have an indication you were born Nathan Huffines. Is this correct? Yeah, I changed my name. What of it? Uh, can you give us an indication why? Yeah. Did you buy furniture at a store called Unpainted Huffines? All right, I'll get to the point. Was the child wearing, wearing anything when he was abducted? Nobody sleeps naked in this house. I am asking some wearing... questions, officer. If we're going to put an APB out, I need a description. Excuse me, we're wearing... better trained to intervene in a crisis situation. What was he wearing? A dinner jacket. What do you think? He's wearing his damn jammies. Child was wearing his jammies. You happy? What did the pajamas officer. look like? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 46 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. I'm Jason O'Connell. Once again, I'm joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. Hi. I've had a lot of coffee. A lot I was going to say, who are you and what have you done with I Jason? I know. I don't know why I did that. You know why I, I did it? it? I'll tell you exactly why. Because last week, because there's no cold open last week, and there's no ah. cold open this week, as everybody has already heard. I've uh, run a clip from Raising Arizona, which contains my favorite line from the film. I have not told Dan and Fred what clip I'm going to use, so oh my God. you, the home audience, have heard my favorite line from the movie, and Dan and Fred will now guess. But Well, no, they don't have to, but I was listening to last week's episode where, similarly, didn't have a cold open before the Major League episode, and I was so like... Hi, welcome to episode 45. I sounded I like depressed. Well. I sounded because I didn't have the energy of being stupid. No, right you didn't before. sound depressed. You sounded no, very timid. You sounded like you did on our very first episode where yeah. it was sort of like, hi, yeah, like, hi we're going to, yeah, we're going to yeah. try this. Hopefully. I think it, like I think it's because we, we did it in the morning at like 9am and I was tired and I didn't ramp up by doing Gene Shallot or anything like that. So. So I promised myself I'd, I'd hit it hard. I'd hit it out of the park. Uh, uh, Major League is one of the movies. Oh, no. That was last week. I like to think that <laughs> one day, like the kids, the club kids, when kids can go back to clubs, they're going to use that as a drug euphemism. Say, we got to ramp up with some Gene Shallot. <laughs> I mean, you got you got any shallot? Yeah, I'm ra- dude, I'm so ramped up on shallot tonight. Oh, my God. I'm ramping up on Gene. <laughs> We're going to gene splice, man. Oh, God. No, don't gene splice. Don't, you can't shallot it with something else. But I took, I got some, I got a heavy dose of Malton, man. No, you can't gene splice. And instead of at 420, it's at 7 in the morning or whenever the Today Show would have come on. Seven oh oh, dude, Seven oh oh, time to shallot it up. Did you, did you cut this shallot with some Joel Siegel? <laughs> <laughs> the poor man's Gene Shallot. Oh, Two thumbs God, up yes. for the Shallot. Hey, hey, so this week. Hey, yo, hey. Hey, yo, hey, yo. This week we travel in back to April 17th, 1987. <laughs> and uh, wow, wow. I did do a little Shallot right before the recording, <laughs> but I'm coming down. I'm coming down. Um, uh, yeah, April 17th, 1987. The releases that weekend could not have been more similar. In one, we have Helen Hunt and a monkey, and in the other, we have Holly Hunter and an ape. But seriously. I have been in this business 52 years, and I will, I've never seen anything like this. We're looking at Project X, 
also starring Matthew Broderick, not to be confused with another movie from like 2012 right. called Project X that when you try to do a search for the monkey movie, it, this other thing that like seems to be like some crazy it's like a club know, kid like, thing, right? Cl- is it, is it, it is, right? They're mm-hmm. do- all doing shallot. It's like some, yeah, it's some like big <laughs> club movie. Anyway, not that Project X, the one with Matthew Broderick and Broderick, Braddock, Matthew Broderick, <laughs> pain in the ass names, and uh, and Richard Mazur. No, and uh, and some monkeys. And we're looking at the Coen Brothers' second film, Raising Arizona, which of course also features Nicolas Cage. But before we dive into the week's films. Fred and Dan, do you remember where you were in April of 1987? I was in my freshman year. You sure in, were. Oh. Was I? Yes, in high school. <laughs> and this time pops out because just a week before this, I believe, a week or two, I went to see, to no one's interest but my own, my very first Iron Maiden concert. <gasps> Um, Iron Maiden somewhere on tour supporting the Somewhere on Time album at wow. the Madison Square Garden. Wow. And my mind was blown and my life was Did you changed. play with Madness? Did, were you able to play with <laughs> Madness? This was when before you were there? playing with Madness, but Come oddly on. enough, I was reliving that experience and looking at some photos. I took this is when you'd have to sneak in cameras to the concert like now everyone's got a camera this is when people you didn't hold up phones you held up lighters you know and you were not allowed to bring cameras or tape recorders or anything i mean no one has tape recorders now but now like people record the shows they video it but like this was back in the time where if you had a camera on you if you had a tape i mean we all saw that rerun uh i mean the what's happening episode when they go to the doobie brothers (laughs) concert and it was a rerun of that episode (laughs) but it also featured rerun (laughs) which doobie ub rerun got in some major trouble for for smuggling in a giant 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 tape recorder recorder like a real-to-real tape recorder (laughs) it was such a great it's the most iconic episode of that show oh absolutely because he's dancing he's doing his (laughs) rerun dance and then it falls out of his trench coat and the Doobie Brothers just stopped playing. In the middle of a concert, Michael McDonald's like, say what? I thought you guys were our friends. How could you guys do this to us? I'm sorry. We were forced. I have been in this business 52 years and I will... I've never seen anything like this. Anyway, that did not happen at this Iron Maiden concert, but I did bring in a camera and I took some pictures. But to your point, Dan, I was listening to that album, which was my first Iron Maiden album somewhere in time. And there's a song, the the number, the the, the hit song off that was Wasted Years. Oh, that's a great song. But the lyrics, so understand. Don't waste your time always searching for those wasted years. Face up, make a stand, and realize you're living in the golden years. Wow. That is like what we're doing right now. Exactly. We are are living in that song. We're We're, looking back at our wasted years. We're wasting our time searching (laughs) for those wasted years. No. We're living in the golden years right now, but we're not because there's COVID and we have to do this podcast. We have to... Look back at those it's wasted true. years. Yeah. I mean, I wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot yeah. of money, a lot of uh, potential, w- potential no. talent. <laughs> I never had any of that um, intelligence, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, but the the I wouldn't call them wasted. Ye- I think 
Are you sure they're not referring to years in which one was wasted? Because those would be our college years. <laughs> they very well may have been. They, oh, they okay. were doing a lot of shallot back then. I know <laughs> the boys in Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. No, but that was so. Anyway, I was at that concert. It was very exciting. What I a went voice on that with guy. Dickerson? Dickerson? Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson? Bruce Good Dickinson. Yeah. He oh still can God. sing. He still can sing the hell out of it. Uh, amazing. The best. Um, we, we did this year a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned how this mm. was a year that I saw a lot of great concerts. I talked about, I saw Journey and Eric Clapton and Rush. And it was, it was, it was just concerts after concert after concert and my dad would always take me but this one I think this was the first one where my dad was like eh I'm okay without the Iron Maiden. So oh. he had a guy that worked for him, this guy, Russ Candell, who was, I think at that point he was either in college or out of college, but he was, as you guys know, my dad was a club date musician yes. and Russ was his, he would call, he was his schlepper. So he would, <laughs> he basically, my dad paid this, this kid to go to his gigs and schlep the amps and the equipment, mm -hmm. and put the stuff up. And so we became very friendly with his family. But so yeah, Russ took us and it was, it was, I, and I remember I have a very vivid memory of standing, waiting on the, the platform of the Long Island uh, train where we were um, in my, in my, why am I blanking on the, the Long Island Express? No. What, Long what Island the, Railroad? Oh my God. The Long Island Railroad. <laughs> Too much shallot tonight. That's what they call the choo-choo. <laughs> couldn't think of the train that I spent half my Holy life taking. Boys, is that the Long Island choo-choo? <laughs> 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 Unconquerable line. <laughs> that joke sounds fine. Get off at Mamaronek if you want some shallot. <laughs> I have no, no idea if that's, that's where you get that's shallot. Metro North. Oh, but I remember right. being <laughs> on the platform, and there was a bunch of my friends from high school that were all going, and Russ was there, and Russ was, you know noticeably older than all of us he already had like the long hair and i think he had like a oh. ripped jean jacket i mean oh, yeah. he looked like you know like the tough character that would show up on like facts of life like joe's <laughs> older brother you know hey joe come on we gotta go fix the motorcycles like he, he didn't talk like that but he had that look and i remember all my other friends from high school sort of thinking like who, who the hell who's that weird creepy older guy that Fred and Cameron are with. And, but like, we felt really cool. I just remember feeling really yeah. cool that I was hanging out with this older kid. And like, we got to Madison Square Garden and he knew other metalheads there. And it just, wow. it was a very cool experience. But yeah, it was a great time. Can I play with madness? This is right around the Tipper Gore thing, right? This uh, you the, read uh, my mind, right? Jason. PMRC. I was just going to ask, when is the Tipper Gore stuff? And, and I, it's right I around I feel like now. it's right around here. This is around like, this time. It's like late 80s. Because I remember yeah. all the Guns N' Roses stuff had the the parents' advisory stickers on. The and the funny, the, the funniest thing is the two <laughs> people that came out, like that were the spokespeople for that when they went. It, it was like complete opposite sides of the spectrum. It was John Denver and <sighs> Dee Snyder. Right. They were the two. And it's incredible. If you've never seen the footage, you got to check it out because Dee Snyder plays them beautifully. And he talks about this. He oh, said wow. he showed up. He's like, I showed up looking like the biggest heavy metal dirt bag ever. And wow. he took his speech out of his pocket. It was like this crumpled up piece of paper. And he's <laughs> like, I set myself up to look like I was going to fail and just like a burnt out fuck up. Smart. And he slays. I oh, mean, it's, it's such a great speech, but yeah. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. And and John Denver was there as well. That's John Denver great, was there too, fighting like, for, you know, on, on the same side. Just defending saying, hey, Black is, Sabbath and everything. That's yeah, amazing. well, just defending, you know, against censorship and how this yeah, could go, you know, this could go very wrong. So. Of course, of course, of course. The, the um, and of course the WWF, as they do, they pick up on these sorts of things 
and that because the parents' television council is not far behind, yeah, sure. and, and then of course they do like a a whole storyline with like evil um, censorship um, wrestlers who are like in white shirts and black ties. They basically look like Mormons kind of. And they're like, very like, look, we have to get all of the, all of the filth out of the WWF. Oh, and so hysterical. they're like the clean cut. Yeah. They're called, um, oh, I forget suplex what they were. it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll suit, we'll, 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 we'll work it out in the ring through suplexes and, uh, <laughs> body slams. Yeah. But they were, they were called like the, Oh, uh, the, 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 something like the parents council or something like that. I can't remember what, what they were. Uh, no, it was called the right to center RTC. That's what it was because oh, the parents oh television God. council was the PTC. <laughs> and so they come along and they're like, we will censor. And they, and they would interrupt, you know, like the Godfather's hoe train or whoever was like coming into the ring. <laughs> that was like inappropriate for children. It was very funny. <laughs> the Godfather's <laughs> hoe train. I know, which probably no. should have been censored. Now I would be that's on the side they, of the television that's, a, that's what they call the Long Island Railroad now, the Godfather's <laughs> hoe train. And I'm like, boy, COVID has really taken a toll on the ridership. <laughs> Were you were you watching? Were you? I, I'm assuming you were super into wrestling at this point, Dan. Still? Oh yes, yeah, still, sure. still. Me and my buddy Wally Sita, we had the Wang Wrestling Federation, the WWF. <laughs> oh we did. The, the champion was mis- the champion was Mister Eat Me, and uh, the oh tag God. team champs were the Righteous Horse Cleaners. They were great. Now and wait, what, this is what? like this is something you played or no. like acted out, or you drew cartoons of it, or what? it was it was partially cartoons, but it was mostly like these composition books, which oh, I right. still love and use. And we would just fill them with like Wednesday night at Madison square garden, you know, <laughs> you know, accidental creation versus invisoid. Of course, of course they all had, you know, powers on top of it. Like they, they, oh they were God. like X-Men basically. <laughs> what did Wang stand for? Who knows? Who knows? It was just Wang wrestling. What do we, you we, think it's yeah. stood for? <laughs> what do you mean? Wang, it's a parking lot. The the uh, <laughs> we would we would come up with full cards, and whenever WrestleMania came around, we would watch WrestleMania together. And yeah, but no, we wouldn't oh like God. wrestle them out. It was just in our minds, and we would we would just sort of write down who you know who beat who, and how you know descriptions of the matches and all that stuff. Oh, and all of our um, ring announcers had Italian names like Salami Bologna <laughs> and uh, Fettuccine Alfredo and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was so, so idiotic, like uh, pistachio um, disguise, you know, uh, linguine pesto, <laughs> yeah, and things like that. And then all the preliminary God. wrestlers, like the guys who would be on the undercard, were names like names that our parents would give us, like Pete Moss and stuff like that, <laughs> like dad joke names, like you know stuff. They were and, they were for the uh, RTC. They were more well, for the RTC. Exactly nice, right. nice and clean exactly. cut. Nice, now, clean just, name. I'm, I'm just picturing like another movie that you would go to, Jason, with Lawrence Fishburne, where when something, exce- <laughs> like Footloose, and when John Lithgow was like, no dancing, like a bunch of guys jump up and go, RTC! Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you want to get that, you got to go back to last episode, folks. You got to go two episodes ago. Two episodes ago, God. Yeah. Oh, Can't boy. keep track. What were you doing, O'Conwell? 
this is the first time I did any stand up of any sort. This was the oh, this was my cool. sophomore year and uh, the, the high school talent show rolled around again. And mm. the year and I'm still just ripping off Saturday Night Live for all it's worth. The year before I did uh, <laughs> I did a sketch, a Fernando's hideaway sketch where I played Billy Crystal's character, Fernando, and a couple of my friends, uh, uh, Rhonda Fleischer and Megan Schneid, who I had been in a, the school play with me earlier that year. I wrote a sketch and I had them on. And I think it was literally about the kind of thing you're talking about, like where it was like my friend Rhonda was kind of the prim, uptight, tipper gore type. <laughs> and then Megan is like wearing like a do dog collar necklace and stuff and all leather and black lipstick and stuff. And it was like some sort of like battle between it was basically about music censorship and yeah. stuff. And that was the sketch yep. that I wrote. And then in between then and now was the uh, advent of uh, Dana Carvey had joined Saturday Night Live and I was obsessed with the church lady. Oh, church yeah. Yeah. Now I did not dress up like the church lady i mean i did eventually uh for a sketch comedy thing but <laughs> but for my stand i was like i'm gonna do stand-up but i didn't want to speak in my i was terrified of speaking in my own voice at all like you know any kind of like oh you know even even on the most basic levels like being like hey you know yeah. the difference you know like what's the thing about dogs and cats or airplane food <laughs> or even the most basic premises <laughs> like that i would not do like i was too scared to speak as myself men and women are different yeah <laughs> so so instead of that i just wrote like a basically i did a church chat kind of sketch but instead of writing it so that i would play the church lady and then have other mm -hmm. actors join me i just wrote like the church lady interviewing like 10 celebrities and i just stood at the microphone like fucking andy kaufman like some weird savant and i just did the voices back oh, and i just did the whole thing like that oh Fantastic. wow and it was like stallone and schwarzenegger and Pee Wee herman and like you know oh. god knows every every everybody from the 80s probably i don't know if hulk hogan was in it or something i mean i don't know what the hell i was doing i can't remember i do remember obviously stallone Pee Wee herman probably freddy krueger was in there like just, Fantastic. just uh, cosby i have been in this business 52 years and i will um and uh, yeah so that was fun and then i did uh what else was i doing i was in the school musical carousel but i had a very tiny part i was basically in the chorus again and i uh i had so wanted the part of do you guys know carousel yeah i was gonna say that's a that's a bit of a heavy show for Oh yeah, but school, school but, yeah. yeah, but high schools did it all the time. Maybe yeah. they don't do it all anymore. The you know, there's a lot of like yeah. domestic violence things yeah. and all sorts of oh, stuff. Oh god, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, problematic. Yeah. Uh but, but right um, in the middle you got this is a real, real nice clam, nice clam bake. bake. You got a little <laughs> We're mighty glad we came. We came. The vittles we ate <laughs> were good. You bet the company was the same. <laughs> Um, I were could go on. Were you dressed as a giant clam when you came out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always, a... always. Well, that was just I, what I had wanted to play. Yeah. So I sang that because I was in the chorus. I really wanted to play like the bad guy, Jigger Cragen. Mm -hmm. Jigger Cragen. What a great name. Great yeah. name. He's just this son of a bitch. And he's just a real, he's an unrepentant asshole. Even though it's like the, the lead of the show is the one who like hits his wife. This is the guy who's really bad. <laughs> And I auditioned and I auditioned. I worked. So, his big song is Blow High, Blow Low. It's a wailing song. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> 
Blow high, blow low, a whaling we will go. We'll go a whaling, wow. a sailing away, away we'll go. Blow me high and low. No, come on. For many and many a long, long day. Yeah, that's a lot. blow me high and low. I've never seen anything like this. Anyway. I saw the most recent Broadway version of Carousel. I do not remember that song. They might have cut it. But that I was Jigger's big was song. Cut. Maybe they wow. cut it. Well, you cut. just did it. You did like you finally I got your it. chance. I finally, I finally did it. But my Bravo. opening weekend makes dreams come true. I know it's true. <laughs> I've said it before, and it's true. My friend Scott San Pietro got the role, and I Fucker. remember. Fuck. No, he, he was he was great. But and I remember to this day, I still remember. My the chorus teacher Fuller Blunt that was his name I think I've said These this on the show before. These names are incredible. Fuller Blunt he <laughs> I remember him. He's the bad guy in Oklahoma. Isn't he's he? casting no, he's the show and he loved me and Scott so much and we uh-huh. both wanted that part and that was the thing we were up for and he knew how badly we wanted it and I remember when he when he he put the cast list up and he was mopping his brow and he's oh like God this was the hardest thing that I, I had to do and I really needed to. I mean, he just came right out and says. I need a big, I need a big stiff drink. I think he drank in his office all the time. And I think we were always Who like, doesn't? <laughs> you know, it didn't <laughs> exactly. You would know <laughs> being in academia. And, <laughs> but he basically just said right to us. I, I need a drink now. I need a wow. drink. Cause he felt so bad. Cause he knew he was going to disappoint one of us so much. And, oh, uh, wow. He was such a sweet man. It wasn't and, too bad. It wasn't like he was like irradiating monkeys or anything. <laughs> I know that uh, that will that will drive you to drink. That should drive you to drink. That's something yeah. you got to repent I'll tell you, for. The reason you didn't get that role, you were too much. You were a comedian. You were, you were, there was a lot of monkeying around oh. with, with little Jason O'Connell. Project X. Well, I think your animal is the best qualified for our demonstration. What's wrong? Help. Help what? Virgil is almost human, with one exception. He trusts us. What do you think is going on down that tunnel? I didn't know. If anybody knew that I even talked to you, I could be charged with treason. Evacuate chamber. They're not taking Virgil away. There's nothing you can do about it, man. How fast can you get him out of here? As punishment for a minor offense, the Air Force assigns pilot Jimmy Garrett, played by Matthew Broderick, to watch over a group of chimpanzees used for military experiments. Although reluctant at first, Jimmy bonds with Virgil, played by the week's second best actor, Willie, a chimp capable of communicating with sign language. But when Jimmy witnesses the military's plan to expose the animals to deadly radiation as part of a Reagan era, how long will it take a pilot to die while nuking Russia research project, he enlists the help of Terry McDonald, played by Helen Hunt, the graduate student responsible for teaching Virgil sign language to free the chimps. Directed by Jonathan Kaplan, Project X also features the talents of William Sadler, credited here as Bill Sadler, and Oko the Chimp as Goofy. But who are we kidding? (laughs) Willie is the true chimp champ here. Who won Best Actor in 87? Michael Douglas. Feh, I say. Feh. (laughs) Willie. Willie should have taken it all. Project X earned $3.3 million over its opening weekend on its way to a worldwide total of $21.6 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Project X? Fly high, fly low, a monkey (laughs) we will go, we'll put him in the plane, and then it was good. It was very good. I wasn't expecting it to be good. I wanted it to not be good. I kept thinking it wasn't good. I was like, okay, now it's not good. Wait a minute. Now it's good again. I wanted to not like it. I wanted to Billy Zane this whole movie. But 
<laughs> it got me and I didn't want it to get me. It reminded me of Baby's Day Out because these fucking monkey performances <laughs> Dan, God damn tremendous. I mean, I just, I couldn't get enough of them. I couldn't get enough of them. I wanted more, more, more monkey. Give me more chimp. Dan, you're so, I, I, I'm just going to, uh, just to say, I I was like, this is my baby's day out. Because I kept, <laughs> I kept, I watched it and I kept being like, oh, come on. I kept thinking of you saying, yeah, listen, this baby. Because I kept thinking to myself, listen, this monkey, this monkey can do it all. He can, I don't know if he can Anything. sing and dance, but he is emotional. Pre- the monkey's a, I, wrote, yeah. I wrote down, this monkey is the Jonathan Lipnicki. Of of monkeys, he is fucking adorable. I, fucking I wanted to just adorable. chew on his face. He's so it went. He's running back and forth in that scene with Helen Hunt. Oh, Dude, and, you, you even the phrase you said. I wrote that chimp is fucking adorable. Asking for an apple. <laughs> oh, like, with his little hand up by his face. Dude, and I was crying up. every time oh. the fucking monkey looked at the camera. I'm crying. And I'm oh like, my god. Yes. I how can it be? It doesn't matter what happens in the movie. Just show it, me the monkey. It, I don't care exactly what happens. Just, it doesn't matter. The plot of the movie doesn't matter. <laughs> Helen Hunt doesn't matter. Matthew Broderick doesn't matter. Experiments don't matter. Nothing matters. All that matters is give me more monkey because <laughs> anytime it's like with Jacob Joseph and Adam, anytime they're on screen, <laughs> you've got me. God damn it. I know. So good. I know. Here's here's the difference though, and this is where because I I thought of that. I was about to go right to Sheila's. I was ready to say like, okay, how many Sheila's? Let's just do this. Let's bang it out. Oh no, sorry. Please go ahead. I thought of what I thought of of this Dan because I had seen this movie many times before. I've never seen it. I saw it in the theater. I did see it in the theater. And I never saw it. I don't think I saw it on video or cable after that. But I did see it in the theater. I I I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on video and cable numerous times and I always enjoyed it, but it was a long time. So I was like, I wonder, will it be, will it be any good? And as soon as it started, I thought, oh, Dan's going to mention Baby's Day Out. The Uh difference is Baby's Day Out, Dan, that was a fucking CGI baby. It wasn't real. They manipulated, those those awful human beings who made that movie manipulated (laughs) you, Dan. They manipulated you. They took a baby and they moved it around. They held the cookie up and then they CGI'd everything else. And every now and then they would just put the camera there. This is different because there was no CGI. The monkey... He's just he's just being a monkey. He's just doing what he does. You're telling me the baby really... in Baby's Day Out is made uh, it's a CGI baby? This monkey. Well, there's uh, they, you know, there are CGI shots. There's animatronic shots. You can tell it's not always a real baby. Yeah, cuz they're doing all sorts of crazy shit. All sorts of ridiculous slapstick with a baby. They can't do that. You can't have a baby cross the highway, Dan. That wasn't a real baby. I mean, yes, what? exactly. Am I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting on the time phone. I'm going to call John Hughes and ask him. They don't have CGI back then. I know what you're saying, though. It's effects. It's yeah. effects. Yeah. So it just made me this appreciate Virgil. I mean, oh my God, I, really? you're absolutely right. I mean, every time Fucking he was really. on, it was incredible. And then you give me that. And then you give me Goofy giving the finger to William Sadler at the end. Oh that's God. it. You've got me. <laughs> he oh does it like God. 70. They're like, they're like, that's gold. Have him do it 17 yeah, that's times. Right. That's his bit. Do it again. <laughs> when he first did it, I was like, all right, that's a little silly. But God damn it. When Very he does satisfying. it at the end of the plane. Oh, my, I, I started to applaud. I, I howled. Oh, when he's in the Oko's plane. Oko's a one-trick monkey, okay? <laughs> Oko. I mean, he's got the finger, and he makes the, you know, that face with the teeth. And that's great. And it's great. Let's, but Willie. 
Okay. Willie, wow. Willie. Oh my god. And Willie is a younger. There are there are chimps of varying ages, yeah. and I feel like different maybe species of chimpanzee or whatever. But Willie's your classic. Like when you think of like baby to adolescent chimpanzee, it that's Willie, right? Well, he's so cute. Oh my god. And, and let, let me so let me just say something cute. for the people listening. I don't think I'm certainly not. We're not being sarcastic here. Oh no, no. Uh, no. Willie, no. I mean, he really does give like. The performance. I'm telling you of the of week. a generation. I'm you, after, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really it's, the, it's like it's I, I, I was like I was mesmerized by this fucking monkey, and I'm like, watch it. I was like, he's so good. I really think I do think in the pecking order of the week. I think it's Holly Hunter, <laughs> and then Willie the Chimp. That's number two for me for the week. Well, listen, that's, that's, when, that's when he say. sits in that pilot seat at the end, and he just points up. Oh yeah, like as if to ask permission. <sighs> To ask permission of like, I'm going to go up now. Is that okay? While they're being held by the military police. And Broderick just goes, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Or whatever he says. Tears, 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 and tears. I was like, this motherfucker is going to fly this plane. And I didn't see it coming. For some God knows what reason. I didn't even (laughs) see that coming. I was like, he's going to fly the plane for real. I'm an idiot. I should have seen it coming a mile away. the, The thing you see coming is like. Okay, they keep saying, Matthew Broderick, you'll you'll get in the air again, son. You follow the rules, he's you'll get in fly. the air again. So you're like, yeah, he's going to fly them out. So you right. do think that. You're like, there's no way a monkey's going to fly, fly the actual plane. This is just a <laughs> fucking simulation for, like, <laughs> Americans who get nuked on the way to Russia. So, you know, it's like, they're never going to actually put a monkey in there. And then they do it, and you're like, oh, my God. You, you, you may be jumping the shark, but you're jumping it with a plane full of monkeys, and yeah. that's got to be worth something. <laughs> End of podcast. That's it. That's the quote of the podcast. You won the contest. Onto the human counterparts. Yes, yes, go ahead. They're all wonderful. Matthew Broderick is, is great. Everybody's great. He's really good. Uh, Helen Hunt is 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 wonderful. Her relationship. Oh my, oh my god! When she finds out that he's got to leave, it was it's killing that was, me. It was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Wonderful. I mean, she was. She was like, they were great scene partners. That's the yes. crazy thing. Yeah. Virgil was They're a great scene partner with all of them. I thought right. the same thing. I was like, oh it my was God. Nuts. You know the what chemistry. was fun too? Uh, uh, William Sadler, or Bill Sadler in this mm-hmm. one, he and Broderick worked together a couple of years earlier in Biloxi, Biloxi Blues right? on Broadway. So cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah he, he played Sergeant the, Toomey. The part that Walken ultimately plays in the movie, right? Yes, and pretty oh, much right. ruined. Yeah. I oh, like Really? Walken. The movie, the, the movie is very, very different from the play in many that's, ways. It's oh. also this year, isn't it? Is that 87? Or is it the same year? Oh, I've always God. heard that Sadler's and Walken's right interpretations were very, very, very different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, sure. I, I've, yeah. It's, I mean, Walken's fine, but it's, um, but yeah, from what I think Sadler won the Tony for it, actually. Yeah, I believe oh, it. Either he did or, or Barry, uh, the guy who played uh, Epstein, might have won. But mm. anyway, but I thought that was really great. cool. I was really like, oh, that's cool. great. Yeah, reunion. They just did a show on Broadway together, and now they're doing this. And he was very good in it. You know oh, what yeah, it reminded me of? And, you, and you've brought this up, Dan, before. But it, it reminded me of a, like a wonderful world of Disney movie. Yeah, in, like a, way, a, a, in a way. Like a Witch yeah. Mountain, yeah. you know, a movie that yes. you'd see like on a Saturday night at eight o'clock after, you know, mm-hmm. Tinkerbell goes over the, yeah. uh, the, 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 the castle. <laughs> it, it had that feel to it. Yeah, very Especially much. at the end. 
especially yes, at really the end. Did. And it is, I don't, you know, I don't think Disney, did Disney have anything to do with it? I don't think did, so, no. Did this director direct things for Disney? Because I was thinking that too, Fred. Jonathan like it kind of has that know. sort of Disney feel yeah. um, to it. And, but, and the other thing is Helen Hunt was in a lot of those things, you know, wasn't she in like, you know, computer wore tennis shoes or some, you know, wasn't she in a bunch of those wonderful world of Disney things when she was, was little? She? Cause she was a child actor for a long time. Yeah. I feel like oh, you she might was in be a bunch right. of those. You may be right. Yeah. So it's another reason it feels like it, but man, I just, um, you know, the, 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 the only thing I really have negative to say about it is ever since, <laughs> ever since I've become aware of uh, one of our buddies sent us um, a thing all about James Horner's soundtracks uh-huh. and how they use the exact same. That was Pete. Yeah. 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 Pete. I, I was thinking sent the same us. exact thing, Dan. This soundtrack is so much like Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which I've seen 400 times. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was grating after a while. Yeah. How many times? Yeah. Yeah. There were even some commando elements in the beginning. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Yep. He does some commando stuff. He does some Star Trek stuff. It's like, boy, does this guy recycle. And <gasps> yeah, for right. so many different kinds of moments, you know, mm-hmm. nothing against him. He's wonderful. But it's like, boy, this guy just is like, all right, put this back in there again for the 30th time. It's yeah. Like, Whoa. But that's really the only thing, you know, this movie just kept getting it's, me and getting me. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The music is, I think the it's truly repeating himself which i didn't quite clock but i did make a note i was like it's very derivative it's like when the movie feels like it's like another movie then he like you know there's the part where Mm -hmm. the monkeys all of a sudden are like all over the place and crazy and it feels very gremlins like and even though he didn't do that i was like are we at the bar in gremlins over. it's very gremlins and the music kind of has this kind of jauntiness to it that is yeah. reminiscent of the gremlins music which is jerry goldsmith but it started yeah. almost with like a like a uh, like a battle of the planet of the apes type music <laughs> yes, yes and then it went to gremlins <laughs> yes yeah. and just the themes there were a lot of themes repeated musical themes over and over again i was like yes. oh it's that piano thing again that piano thing oh there is there's a piano thing again it wasn't mm-hmm. bad by any means and it no, fit, it was okay. you know it fit the movie but it it, it was very repetitive yeah in many ways. I mean, yeah, that's I not much of a critique need, right i mean uh, yeah well the, uh, the only other thing i'll say is i no, also didn't need peter gabriel's shock, the, shock the, monkey. the monkey i know i was like yeah. and then later the nose, in the huh? movie they shock monkeys they <laughs> they shock monkeys later in the movie yeah with a fucking cattle prod it was like <laughs> you have to be kidding me I don't really understand the point of the, of the experiments. Experiment. It's like, once you kill, once well, you kill one a, monkey, well, you know, okay, yeah, guess what? A nuclear bomb will kill, if you're caught in the blast, you're probably going to get radiation poisoning and die. So why do they need monkeys? Because I know the, the idea is they wanted to see how long someone could survive within After that. A blast, yeah. But how many monkeys do you have to kill? That's what she said. That's my joke. Damn it, Dwight. Why are you training them to fly? Put them in a room, expose them, then see how long they live. That's the experiment. Has nothing to do with flying. The it flying really is. is irrelevant. It's totally to incidental. Whether they will live or die, it's you really... don't need to train them how to fly. I don't know. It, I, you know, it, it's it's thin. It's thin in a lot of ways. But yeah, you got listen. These monkeys. I'm listen. telling you, these monkeys. These... Speaking of gremlins, I was going to say. Did you notice Dick Miller? 
at the very beginning, in, the very beginning. In, a, in a very, he's in a long shot. It's hard to see him. He's one yes. of the guys doing the monkey trade and he's yeah. just got like one line or two lines. As soon as you hear his voice, you're, like, you oh, his voice, you're like, oh, there's Mr. Futterman. But then I thought, uh, I thought he was going to have more of a part. He literally is in one shot. No, yeah. Um, and then yeah. the other thing is Helen Hunt kisses that chimp. More tenderly and passionately than she kissed Jack Nicholson, <laughs> as good as it gets. And that's all I'll well, say about that. Wouldn't you? Well, you know, not me, because I'm obsessed with Jack Nicholson. I know you're but, a big you know. Jack Nicholson fan, but I don't know. Nicholson but, and Willie well, in a movie she together? More oh, my God. Oh, no, that's much cuter. That would be, be something. Not but, but much cuter, but uh, he, Willie might. Look, I, uh, Nicholson is one of the gods. Willie might be a better actor than Willie. I know. Was, <laughs> Listen. But, but he could, you know. If you're putting Willie in, let's picture a minute how Willie would have interpreted uh, Nicholson's role in Five Easy Pieces, you know? <laughs> you want me to hold the chicken, huh? <laughs> I think he would have the sign know. language, he would have thrown some of his own poop at the waitress. Right. Yeah, exactly. How would Willie have interpreted uh, uh, Pitsy's <laughs> honor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would he, what would he have done in what's well, that he movie did with Jade Angelica Houston for a brief time? Willie and Angelica. He's still dating Lara Flynn Boyle. <laughs> no, still, you know who he is dating? You know, and I read this and I was so happy to read this. I'm going to read it to you word for oh. word. I don't know when this was written. This was on Wikipedia. It says Virgil was portrayed by Willie, who now resides at primarily primates wildlife refuge. Willie was sent there along with Harry, who played his girlfriend. They were retired from the entertainment industry and live with other males in a tightly knit group at the refuge in Bexar County, Texas. Still today. Sweet. I, I think day? so. Aww. I don't know. I hope so. Okay, we're going. We're, so. go- we're, we're going down there. <laughs> we, we have to get should. down there. Once we get fully vaccinated, I think that should be our first opening weekend <laughs> remote trip. We go to Bexar County, go Texas, and we, we interview Willie. We'll I'm stop at Eustace's house on the way, and then we'll go over there. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Can we please go? I would Come on, have that. some cobbler, and then <laughs> go look at the monkeys. <laughs> I don't not do a good Eustace. Joseph. The, the, oh, uh, your your the, Eustace is very good. <laughs> Thank you. The um, but the the wh- where is it again? Is it a place that people can actually go into, or do you have primarily to be a primates wildlife refuge? I don't. Yeah, we'll have to. It is not we'll called primarily primates. That is the name of it. That's sure what it. it is. That's according to Wikipedia. That's right, what well, it's. Now yes. we're not going. That's a stupid name. <laughs> primarily here. Wait, I'm going to look it up. Let's see. Let's oh see. Oh my uh, god, we're going primarily primates, Texas. Uh, there it is. There it is. <gasps> It's oh a, a sponsor a chimp. We can sponsor a chimp if we want. Primarily wow. Primates is a nonprofit sanctuary in Bexar County, Texas, that provides lifetime care for 300 plus animals, mostly primates, including 33 chimpanzees. Wow. Let me see. Is there anything about Willie? Guys. Come on. What? Come on. Guys. Come on. <laughs> what? I think he's still there. <gasps> yeah. There he is. I'm looking at a picture of him. Virgil, there he is. Willie. In, yeah. In 1986, five chimpanzee stars of the film Project X were brought to primarily primates Yay. after a lawsuit against the film's producers alleged abuse of the chimps <gasps> by their trainers. You're kidding me. So oh, when the no. filming ended, 20th Century oh, no. Fox planned to sell the chimpanzees to a laboratory. <gasps> a reprehensible <gasps> irony is the lucrative film focused on a young chimpanzee's escape from radiation tests in an Air Force laboratory. Uh, Don Barnes, a sensible technical advisor oh, for the studio, shit. warned 20th Century 
Ivory Fox of the public outcry likely oh to follow God. a transfer of the chimpanzees to a lab. So he led the crusade to bring the chimps to PPI, blasted the AHA, and oh yes, one of the chimps, Willie, the star of the film, is still alive and cared for 27 years later at our sanctuary. Willie still runs away in fear when he sees cameras. Oh, oh my God. And there's a whole story about him. He's there with he's oh, there no. with uh, Oko. Uh, oh, oh. Oko, Oko died from a heart attack in 2017. Oh, um, fuck's sake. Yeah, he's, Willie was born at San Antonio Southwest Foundation for Biomedical Research. Uh, then he was, yeah, wow. he was, he did the movie and wow. he's, yeah, he's, he's living there and, and, and he says, yeah, wow, it's, I'm, I'm reading, it's, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. He's doing Incredible great. Willie, Willie is alive and doing well. The irony of this no. is that not only was he ill-treated on the on the set of the film, but the fact that they were going <laughs> to sell him to a fucking lab at the end That's of the nuts. goddamn... I mean, what the fuck? That is reprehensible. That's the right word. Yeah, but you know what's so really interesting? The, the moments that moved me so much in this movie were the shots of Willie... Like when he has to leave or when when he's first meeting the humans and you can tell he's so scared. The first yeah. time Matthew Broderick opens the cage yeah. and he moves back and that look on his face Holding and then he goes ball. and he hugs him. But now I'm like, oh my God, was this poor chimp just terrified of cameras? Yeah. Was that how they got well, that performance? Because oh, they made him scared for real. Oh, wow. see? Oh. oh, now I don't like the movie. Now I have I'm to give it less, fewer Sheilas because they, they hurt Willie and know. hurt his feelings I'm, and everybody else. I mean, Willie is 10... And Sheila's right there, if not yes. more. And uh, but the movie, you know, between between that and like the, the fact that the entire plot, the entire experiment <laughs> yeah. is like predicated, like we can't figure out a way to justify or make sense of the entire <laughs> experiment. Um, that's tricky. That's a little tricky. Um, yeah, where are we Sheilas landing, Sheila's? I'm. Hmm. I give uh, I give eleven Sheilas for Willie. I give yeah. five to the movie now, especially knowing all this. I can't I can't separate it. You know I can't separate it from what you just read, Fred, because because now what we know how they got those then? performances. But well, now we know how they got those performances by abusing the fucking chimpanzees, and I can't forgive the movie for that. But Come I was on, gonna go, I was no, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna go I was gonna go like eight. I was gonna go eight. I was gonna go wow. quite high, quite I mean, high. I was, I was that endeared by it. Yeah. I, the way we we're all talking about it, I was like, oh, my Sheila's are going up because I was like, Willie 10, the movie's <laughs> maybe a six. And, and then I was yeah, like, I was. you know, and I was like, it's probably a six ultimately, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's enjoyable. And it's like, well, that's, you know, like we say, anything above a five is you know, recommending on some level. Right. So I guess I'll stick with that. But during our conversation, I was like, maybe I'm crazy. Why, why am I only giving it six? There's nothing wrong with this movie. I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just the, the monkey pheromones. I'm just like, you know, I'm just getting high on it. I'm just, it's like a mixture of, of willy, willy cuteness pheromones and just a nice, a nice dose of shallot. And I was like, <laughs> I was really riding high, but uh, no, I think maybe I'll, I'll stick with six knowing yeah. Knowing how fucking bizarre that story is. I'm going to stay there as well, too. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing. Originally, I was going by your metrics there. Like, well, would I recommend? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'd recommend it. Like, I, yeah. I actually did. I recommended it to, to my daughter just because of Willie. And I was like, and I know they love Matthew Broderick. I'm like, well, this is his first movie after Ferris Bueller. Yeah. It's it's is good. It? Helen Hunt's. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's I would all think, good. It's, no. That was '86, so this is yeah. probably. Oh wow! Well. So I thought, wow. yeah, I would rec. Is it is it like a high recommend? Huh. No, but if it was on, yeah, watch it. It's it's fun. It's cute. Yeah. It's a nice story. I'll go five point so, five because it is a recommendation. I, you're yeah. right, Jason. I will. I mean, I, I would the, watch it again just to see Willie do his thing. Of course, of or course. I'd watch his bits. I mean, which is most oh. of the movie, you know. I kept thinking of my dog while watching it. You know, yeah. I have this puppy Baxter, Aww. and I'm like, like sometimes the way yeah, Willie would look at Helen Hunter or Matthew Broderick, like you know, wanting something and trusting them. And I was like, it's kind of the same look that your dog gives you. <laughs> I don't know. That's ridiculous, I guess. But I, it, <laughs> I, it was how I felt. I was like, oh god, this monkey. You're in my heart now, little monkey. I know. How could he not be? He's so He's wonderful so, and adorable. I mean, God. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey. Out I love you, Dr. Zayas. I went and got an answering machine. You guys remember answering machines? Of I, course, I had a I rap do. on my answering machine that I wrote. What was your can rap? What can was I sing it? it to you right the now? Medulla. I still remember. The and it was probably do. around Please this do. time. Maybe a little. No, it was probably a, maybe earlier. It went a little something like this. Well, we're Fred, Maury, Sandy, and Simona. I'm sorry to say, but we're not Homer. So now as you complainly see, you're talking to a funky job answering machine. So please leave your number, message, and name. We'll get back to you to play the game. Leave it after the beep. Leave it after the beep. Leave it after the beep. Wow. Oh wow. God. To play wow. the game is interesting to me. <laughs> it's interesting. To play the game. It's interesting to me. I love that part because it's mysterious. <laughs> if you leave the message, you're playing the game somehow. That was better than anything in Disorderlies. That That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I was like, that, right there was more more Depth. rapping than was in the movie Disorderlies, featuring <laughs> yes. three people who who can only rap. They certainly can't act, and one who is a human beatbox, which Fred just did. Uh, no, I know. Expertly, right. expertly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, boy, that's God. great. Um, well, I went and got uh, I went and got a brand shiny new answering machine because you okay. know they still make them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, the random hope. Radio Shacks and Sam Goodies that that's are right. I went on. Still I went holding into, on underground. Uh, yeah, that's right. I went. It's into, very hipstery, I guess. You know. Like well, a, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Right I also now. got a typewriter that I carry around with me. <laughs> right. Um, you're Wes Anderson. Exactly. That's right. Answering machines and typewriters. <laughs> um, but um, I, I see that there's two messages here. There's a couple oh. of messages. So should I just okay. go ahead and play the messages? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 uh, let me just hit the button here and. Uh, hey boys, how you doing? It's Eustace. I'll tell you what. I can't hey. wait to see you up there on May 19th up at the fish hatchery for the big old wedding. Oh, we're going to have some good time. Hey, you know, Al has agreed to be the officiant. He's going to marry him. He's going to marry Sheila and Richard. And uh, JJ's going to be the ring bearer. And, uh, and me and Tote, we're going to be the groomsmen. Oh, we're going to have a good time. I hope to see you up there. It's going to be great. Because, you know, <laughs> hey, 
Hey, it's Houston. Boy, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to see you boys at the Bird Sanctuary on May 26. Oh, we're going to have a good time up there. It's going to be real, real good. Hey, you know, Jack has agreed to be the officiant. He's going to marry him. It's going to be great. And Adam's going to be the ring bearer. And me and Geppetto, we're going to be the groomsmen. We, they asked us to do that up at the ceiling, Richard Wedding at the Bird Sanctuary. We'll see you up there on May 26 because when we see you, we're going to get right Oh my wow. god. Oh my god. Okay. I want, I want to applaud that, but of course it's just <laughs> it's just two answering machine messages. It's not like there was any kind of art involved in it. It's not like no, none. You, it's not it's not as if you wrote that and performed it for me, but it feels like it was a, a, a great achievement even though it was just two phone calls. Just two messages on an answering machine. Just two messages machine. on an answering machine that I enjoyed more than I should. That is bizarre. What do you mirror, make they're mirror image. It's the it's what we've been saying. It's it's like fucking Black Mirror. It's the multiverse. It's they're like clearly there's both Eustace, right? It's got to be the multiverse thing. Absolutely. What do you think, Fredo? But is it, I mean, could it also just be that it's just, they're having two wedding ceremonies and one is one day and one is the the next day? But wouldn't Eustace have acknowledged that that at some point? You might be right. right. You might be right. It's weird to not be like, I'll see you at the other wedding or see you when (laughs) she marries the other half of Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, no, you're right. There has been some sort of like fracturing of reality and- Time and space, they're, they're warped. There's something, there's, yeah. we're like slipping through the cracks here. It's really, really bizarre. It's very matrixy. It's very through the looking glass. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm really unclear on realm. it. If I'm going to pin this on anybody, I, hmm. I'm thinking it's the nefarious Dr. Merlot. I mean, that that's, you know, I don't mean to like cast <laughs> aspersions, but I mean, well, he sort I, of this, started this all, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was because of him that the, we I went mean, from just a bunch of normal fans to this crazy wackiness, you know, and, and right. answering machine messages where we are right now. I mean, I guess right. if he, if he cloned everybody, he Go cloned ahead. the whole bunch of them. Oh boy. You know, and they're living it's that is in a way a multiverse thing it's like there's a whole bunch of clones who interact and pod together uh you know and uh and and you know and then maybe they're i don't know that's not a good no explanation but no that is that's as good of an explanation as i've heard jason and you know what's great and fred will love this the more the more of these clones or these hybridized people or, or, or these these sort of cross, uh, you know, the, these crossbred, whatever they are, th- there are out there, the more listeners we could potentially get. So, you know, as long as they're yeah. listening and subscribing and giving five stars on iTunes, I really don't have a problem with us being a hit in two universes. You're right. If we can get multiple universes of people breaking down and going, I love this podcast so much. I love this podcast. <laughs> that would be incredible. Very good. Raising Arizona. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But (laughs) biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hive. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful.
When an incompetent robber named High, played by Nicolas Cage, falls in love with Ed, the policewoman who repeatedly books him for his crimes, played by Holly Hunter, the two marry and are devastated to discover that they are infertile. In order to satisfy his wife's longing for a child, High steals one of a set of quintuplets, known as the Arizona Quints, from his nursery. But mayhem ensues when two of High's criminal cronies, played by John Goodman and William Forsythe, show up at High and Ed's front door after a jailbreak, and the child's father, Nathan Arizona, played by Trey Wilson, sends a bounty hunter, played by Randall Tex Cobb, to find the baby and his kidnappers. Joel and Ethan Cohen set out to make their sophomore feature, after 1984's Blood Simple, as tonally and stylistically different as possible, creating a fast-paced farce that received mixed reviews upon its release, but which has been reappraised by many as a modern classic. After an extremely limited release in March of 87, Raising Arizona opened wide the following month, taking in $22.8 million domestically and $6.3 million internationally for a worldwide total of $29.2 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Raising Arizona? You guys, I love this movie. Oh, so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm. I've, I have didn't see it in the theaters. I remember seeing the Siskel and Ebert review of it and the movies. And I remember they showed that scene of Holly Hunter going, I love him so much. And that just stuck out. Uh, I saw it on cable many times when it first came out. I might yes. have rented it, but I watched it a lot. And it remind it's it, it reminds me so much in many ways of Rushmore, in the mm-hmm. sense that it was like Rushmore. This was their second movie. It was my first Coen Brothers movie, mm-hmm. and it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie to this day. Oh, it's my favorite yeah. And it, it might be because it was my first, just like Rushmore might mm-hmm. be my favorite mm-hmm. Wes Anderson because it was my first. It's. My favorite Nicolas Cage performance. Yes. It's my favorite Holly Hunter performance. Yes. It might be my favorite John Goodman performance. Yes, Fred, yes. And I read something really interesting. I, I was reading that when they wrote it, they were trying, they they sort of came up with their own dialect. They took all these different Southern dialects and put them together and they tried to write the characters. They tried to think, all right, well, what would these people read? It would be the Bible and like bad and like trashy magazines. And that's <laughs> yeah. how, you know, especially like Nicolas Cage, like the, the narration. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's poetic, you know, it's like a, yeah. it's like an epic fairy tale. And there's something, it's like, it, it, yeah. it's like a cartoon. And, and I, and I, I read, I, I've read this for years that he sort of based his performance on Wile E. Coyote and watching <laughs> it this time, I, Totally see it. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there are shots of him when he's chasing those babies <laughs> where he, lo- I'm like, oh God, he looks like Wiley Coyote. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's, they're, they're in this desert, you know, like Wiley Coyote yeah, was with yes, the Roadrunner. That's true. You know, there's the Woody Woodpecker tattoo, the cartoon thing, which mm-hmm. I, I love that. The Woody Woodpecker weird- tattoo and the fact that his hair, I was like, well, he looks, he looks like Woody Woodpecker. He looks yeah, like the tattoo. He does. Yeah. He, but I never really thought does. of the Wiley Coyote thing, which is Watch really it again and you will see, I mean, I'd always <laughs> heard that and I noticed it, but this time I really, there were a few shots where it was like, it was almost those shots of like Wiley e. Coyote where the roadrunner and it's like he like his face bounces into the frame. Yeah, so I think Nicolas Cage is fantastic in it. They're so I, good. you know, we were talking about Moonstruck and how sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, he really 
he goes for these and like with something like Moonstruck or Peggy Sue got married or this, like he's one of those guys, especially in his younger days or um, Vampire's Kiss where he, he mm. really swings for the fences and he makes these bold choices and he's not afraid to really put on a character and yeah. use funny voices or whatever. And to, with varying, you know, degrees in with, with the results and in this, it works like he's making such bold choices, but it's such an easy performance. I yeah, find it looks effortless. It looks yeah. effortless what he's doing and you know, it's not, and you know, he's, you know, um, you hear stories about him going like, you know, oh, you want the full cage or whatever, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, oh, you yeah. want uh-huh. to give me the full cage. Okay. I'll give you the full cage, you know? And then you see things like his million straight to video things or the wicker man or just things right, where it's like, yeah. oh Jesus, this does not need the full cage, but this kind of does. And, but it looks like he's not, it's not labored. I'm not going to live this way, huh? It just ain't family life. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. And Holly Hunter only a little tiny bit only a couple of times like when she's in the car and she's like okay and it's just a little no, too she big. goes things have changed that's the one that's which the i one. love that's the one that, i love that it too whole scene I it's like they're it doing too. a cartoon yep. it, it's suddenly both of the, them get heightened yeah and she punches him and she yes. punches him in the jaw and he looks at the camera with his eyes going blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know it's it's very funny i love it too fred but that's the only sequence that i'm like that's a little not labored, but maybe for this movie, maybe this isn't a good criticism, but, but, but outsized, it's the only thing that hmm. seems outsized that sequence yeah. right there, but I, see what you're saying. I, but I still love it. I still love yeah. it for what it is. And I get what they're doing, but that man cages is, he's just magical in this. And so is Holly Hunter. I can't even look at Holly Hunter without falling completely head over heels for her in this. She's tremendous. She's so That moment that I did before, I love him so much. I've said, it is one of, I think, one of the greatest moments in film ever. That switch that she does. It's so good. And everyone does it. And as I'm watching it, You know, I've always sort of wondered, like, what is, what's this movie about? And I've never really thought too much. I normally, I just like to go along for the ride. I just like to go mm-hmm. for the ride there. And maybe it's, maybe it's being a father now. I don't know. Mm. But there was something, there, there's a line at the end where he says a land where he's, he's, he's looking into the future and he says a land where all parents are brave and strong. Oh, and it's like, and I, I wonder, I, I, I was trying to look it up and I couldn't find it. I wonder if one of the Coen brothers was about to have a baby or, Mm. you know, about to have a father or just become a father around this time. Because to me, this movie Mm. is so much about that fear fear. of of being a parent and becoming an adult. And because as soon as that baby comes into people, like with that switch with Holly Hunter, that moment that she see, boom, she changes with the, with, with, um, John John Goodman and, um, And William Forsyth. Yeah. I mean, the same thing. They love the baby, and that, and it's, now they feel responsible immediate. for it. Yeah. And there's that fear. I mean, oh my God, when they're when there's John Goodman. I'm sorry, I'm just going on and on and on. But when they when they first of all when they first break out of prison and he's just yelling and yeah. they're screaming, it's hysterical. And then when they're in the car and they think they lost the baby again, yeah. Just the I could watch that on a loop over and over. <laughs> oh, I could not watch that. That was very <gasps> really? hard. The oh, screaming, boy. I wanted to turn the TV off. I was like, oh, oh my God, I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. It got to a point where I was like, please, I've never, I mean, not <laughs> I even the Flintstones. I, was I like, John Goodman, oh. please stop. Oh, the screaming, oh. the screaming drove me crazy. I liked it very much the first time because I thought, 
<laughs> because it felt like and it yes, felt like they're birth. being born. It was yeah. being oh, born. Totally, and, totally. And, and his screaming through that, yep. I thought was pretty fantastic. Yeah. And then the second time around, I was like, oh God, it was just, it was grating a little bit. I, I, oh, it kills me. I <laughs> forgot so much of this movie. I had seen mm. it on video when it first came out on video. I remember renting it when I was mm. in the high school and, and loving it. I think, you know, I've always had like a, a high regard for it, but I, Really, I didn't remember anything after the first third. All of my memories of it are from early in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love the first third. I really, really love the first third of it. And there is a point where it grows, it grows thin for me. And I guess because oh, it wow. is a, it is a slight movie. It is a, it's not, I go along for the ride more than, you know, wonder what it's about or, you know, what it has on its mind. And I do think you kind of crystallized what it is about, actually, you know, especially that very last speech of Nicolas Cage's and that sequence is very moving when he dreams about the future. Oh, and sees, beautiful. You know, yeah. I find it very moving, the whole movie. Yeah. No, it gets very flat for me. In the, because even when I say that I'm going along for the ride, even though I was, I still always... Even first watching, I always felt that there was something deeper there. I knew that there was something deeper there and there were mysteries to be unlocked. Yeah. I just wasn't, they weren't crystallized for me and they still aren't, but I'm, I'm getting, every time I watch it, I get something more out of it. So, but sorry. Yeah, continue. no, it's okay. The, yeah. The cartoonishness of it at the beginning, I, you know, the very, the opening, I was like, my gosh, this is, it reminded me of Rushmore too. I thought, well, this is clearly, I was like, oh my gosh, the Coen brothers are clearly such an inspiration mm -hmm. to uh, uh, an influence on on yeah. wes anderson so so clearly and i i think that that opening sequence is just perfect all the back and forth and all the, basically yes. like falling in Dynamite. love over the course of oh, the multiple so arrests it's so just good. beautiful and so creative and so well filmed I, I think it's i just think it's brilliant and it's much cartoonier and 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 overwrought and over blown to me as as the movie goes on huh. and it's fine but it just gets it's just it gets big and dumb to me a lot of the stuff like the oh. in the car and the screaming and the big fight in the house with john goodman and nicholas cage it all kind oh, of oh i love that fight. i love that i rubs his hands against the uh <gasps> The ceiling and just rubs his <laughs> knuckles bare. I love and the screams he makes. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I didn't. Uh, I I hear what you're saying, Jason. I absolutely yeah. hear you. It's either it just, like it, you not know, that it left me cold. It, I like the movie. No, but it a, makes a, lot, a turn. It, it, yeah, it, it makes just kind a, of it makes a turn it, away, away from what it what it was in the first half. Uh, but you either but see, I, I you go with it, it or, you, or you don't. You go with it or you don't. Oh, I think so. By the time you know, I it, I, I, the the fight plus the the big. Um, um, chase and then all the bank stuff, which I love too. Fred, I love all of it, but it's like it does not stylistically, but maybe tonally, it does sort of shift into a, a little bit, little bit different realm, but not inappropriately different. I, I think, it's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's all wonderful. I mean, this is a high, high Sheila movie for me. But Jason, I understand what you're saying. You, it, you, you either are like. Ah, uh, now it's lost me. Or you go, oh no, it's really got me, and yeah. I'm in the second camp. It gets me more as it goes. Yeah, I'm in the first. It it has me. It has me hard in the opening, and then it gets mm -hmm. a, it's a little broad and repetitive for me. And then I I wind up losing 
I don't yeah, know. I, I, it, it loses a little steam for me. I lose this connection as much as I, and I do, I, I like Nicolas Cage in it. I, you know, this is the same year as Moonstruck. I think he's better suited here. You know, I, I think yes, he's better in this than in sure. Moonstruck or fits the world certainly more and, and the vision of the Coens more than I think he fits Agreed. in the ensemble of Moonstruck. He's so Holly odd. Hunter is just, this is also same year. She blew up with broadcast news, but mm-hmm. the same year. And, and she's, she's just, She's incredible, and and she's she's, she's the most human human being in the cartoon that is sure. raising Arizona certainly in that. But I, she also rides the line very like she belongs in the movie, but she also really grounds the whole movie. Uh, you know, I and and Goodman and Forsyth, I think they're great as well. It did it did get to a point where I was like. It reminded me of the Dumb and Dumber scene where they're like, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? And it's just like, <laughs> just screaming, a nasal scream. It just, I, I don't find know why. it's so funny how they were so affected by this. They fell in love yeah. with this baby. I love my favorite I Goodman do like when they ago. all like name the baby, like blank junior, blank junior, right? Yep. Everybody who gets their hands on the baby or thinks yes, about yeah, yeah, adopting yeah. the baby. Junior, they don't want to like, yeah. Yeah, I, think I love the moment where, <laughs> where he's, uh, where, where they're um, eating cereal when they uh-huh. wake up. And I just <laughs> yes. love watching Goodman eating the cereal, and, but he's like daintily smoking the cigarette. <laughs> yes. It's such, yeah. it's just yes. such great like prop work. And he's, he's daintily doing. uses the chicken leg in the earlier yes. scene. He goes, think about yes. it. Right? And he puts it up to his head. And he's daintily doing stuff, even though these two guys are slobs. They're almost like man it's, and wife it, in a weird way. It, it is like they are, they are the caretakers of this baby and, the, and sort of of each other. They care for each other. I also think this is my favorite John Goodman performance, Fred. I think yeah. he's mm. fucking brilliant in this. He's way better than he is in King Ralph in this because he <laughs> well, he finds all well. of these subtle moments within this very broad character. There's so Absolutely much that he's agree. doing that's like, well, now wait a minute. You know, he, he's he's almost oh. an intellectual. He's intellectualizing so many small moments when he's talking to to High, when he's like figuring out, huh. Where uh, welcome home, son. That's interesting. He's not yeah, unintelligent. He's figuring all that stuff out, and yet he's a brute on top of it. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he has that balance. What's that smell? We don't always smell this way, Miss McDonough. I was just explaining to your better half here that when we were tunneling out, we happened to hit the main sewer line. Dumb luck that, and we followed that. You mean to- you busted out of jail? No, ma'am. Uh, we released ourselves on our own recognizance. What Evel here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. Uh, you know who I who's great as well, and I was really saddened to hear about his untimely demise. Trey, Trey Wilson, Wilson. as Nathan Arizona. Nathan Arizona. So, his I line, where he's like, "They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them." <laughs> I mean, come on. We've already guy. heard it, everybody, because that's what the episode opened with. Uh, that's my favorite line from the movie. I had no idea. Look at that. <laughs> but that end, that moment at the it's end, so great. It's so beautiful. Oh God, it's I so, love it. But I didn't realize he. So he was probably He's around. Terrific. He he died when he was forty. Really? <gasps> what? Yeah. How old is he, he in I, this fucking movie? He, he looks like he's got to be forty. I know. Something. He, he looks like in his in his fifties here. He was, yeah. he must have been around thirty eight because I was looking it up. Oh no, he died. Wow. I was going to say di- he's so good. Why didn't we see him in he's more so things? Good. Or why didn't he become he was, a he was Coen in this, Brothers he was staple? In, uh, yeah, he was oh, in Bull man. Durham. And I think he died shortly after that. Oh yeah, really gosh. sad. He was, he was wonderful, great. Wonderful, I was like, wonderful love performance. Great. Sir, it's been rumored that your son was abducted by UFOs. Would you care to comment? Don't print that, son. If his mama reads that, she's just going to lose all hope. 
There's a moment when right in the beginning, when they're, when they're in, you know, the group uh, talk in the prison and there's the guy, there's like the the group leader, the psychiatrist and the the prison psychologist. I noticed he's wearing a high around his neck and his name is high. He's wearing the Hebrew letter high, which means light. Yeah. And And I was like, life. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's so I really, don't know. really cool. No, there is a lot of symbolism in this movie, like tons and tons and tons. And there and there's this movie's a lot about fate and it's a lot about destiny and it's a lot about the difference between dreams and reality. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of visual symbology in this movie. Um, and also it has, you know, a kid writing fart on the wall. So, I mean, you get a little <laughs> bit of everything, which is one of the best <laughs> moments. In that, the movie. Be, that Buford's a sly one. Yeah, it's a fly oh, so one good. over there. I, I thought, Jason, you were going to pick, I, I, I thought you were going to pick um, this line. Now, this is one of my, one of my wife's favorite uh-huh. movies of all time. She loves Raising Arizona. And oh, we watched it this great. afternoon together. We've watched it together before. But this line made us both laugh out loud like lunatics this afternoon. Uh, nobody sleeps naked in this house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nobody. He's so offended. Trey Wilson. He's, that, he's so offended. Nobody scene, sleeps naked in this house. Great. That scene's that my favorite brilliant. scene. Yeah. That yes. scene's my favorite scene in the movie when, yeah. when they're interrogating him. I, I, that's why I was like, I was like, why did this guy not do more than more I know things. of? Because he, but, yeah. he passed away almost uh, immediately after. But am I he's crazy? Was, so I think good. John Sales was one of the detectives in that scene that would make sense no indie filmmaker they just feed off the coffee table yeah and oh, it looks yeah. like and it look and I, I think it was john sales oh, right yeah. yeah no I, I, for me i remember still i remember exactly where i was when i heard uh they're jammies yeah, yodas and shit i was <laughs> sitting i was watching it i had rented it i had rented it or i had uh, i had either gotten it from the video store or like from the library or something and i was watching it on the tv at my grandmother's house and i remember where i'm sitting at the dining room table i was doing some homework or i was doing something drawing or something and watching the movie too and i remember that line and i was like what and i rewound <laughs> i rewound the tape to what yes. i was like that's fucking funny um yeah i love that line i love that sequence. I, I will say the movie gives me i think of it and it gives me a warm feeling all over. I think uh, of that. Yeah. I think of the, the the poster, the iconic image of them in those lawn chairs, I, 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 which I think is not only is it a, just a, a great image and it's iconic now because it is the image of the movie. It's the poster or whatever, but it's beautiful. Like the the event of that scene when they're laying there in the yeah. lawn chairs looking at the stars is so beautiful because I, I, I will say, you know, you always hear arguments in movies about or television shows or whatever. You know, it's always like, the the problem is the potential of getting pregnant or having a kid and being like, I don't know if I want to bring a child into this world. I don't know if I, you know, like the world's so fucked up. It's so crazy. It's so, right. you know, like global warming, every, everything, all the millions of different reasons why you'd be reticent to bring life into the world. Life. Hi. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, but ah. this has, here's one of the greatest theories about why you should it's the optimist view of, of, of life. Right. It's like saying there's so much beauty in the world. There's so much to see and experience that a baby would would regret having missed a day of it. I think yes. she says something like that. Aww. I'm not saying the exact line, but it was that thing. We was both like, said awe at that yeah, moment, Jason, I mean, when that <laughs> happened in the movie today. It is. It's so, it's so beautiful. It's like uh, she's it's watching. Gorgeous. I think they're watching uh, this gorgeous starry night. And it's like, yeah. I think we need to have a baby because every minute that that soul isn't here, they're missing things missing like this. Things. Oh, so I think beautiful. that's pretty gorgeous. It, it um, is beautiful. And, yeah. and, and there is great beauty to this movie. 
you know, um, again, it makes me, it, it gives me a warm feeling too. It also makes me a little nervous because to think about this movie sometimes, because it, it is so harrowing. It's such an experience that he's been through. Nicholas Cage is the best at looking like he's gotten the shit kicked out of (laughs) them than any other person. But another thing I love about this movie, the faces, this movie is populated with so many great faces and great voices. The people in the bank, the guy who oh, he yes, buys the, the balloons from, which is, br- <laughs> and then Rob, that's a brilliant thing. Not unless round is funny. That's one of the greatest <laughs> lines great line in too. cinema history. That is a great one. He's coming all funny that's shapes. A- well, not unless round is funny. That's, <laughs> that's, that's really good. You're wearing panties on your head. That guy is amazing in the truck. Yes. He's just screaming there. Ah, Son, that's you're scream. wearing panties on your head. The kid with the jugs magazine. What a face on that. Oh fucking my God. Guy. Yeah, that, that, that scene to me, that's really like the set piece of the movie yes. just that whole yes. chase yep. trying to get the hug he's like all he wants to get are diapers it's an odyssey yeah. it is an epic odyssey that whole scene yeah. you know absolutely and, and that's got that indiana jones ending of like coming in like grabbing the the huggies the yep. package of huggies from the street oh, it's like amazing. indiana jones grabbing his hat at the yeah. End. yeah uh this is a a fun little uh point of, of of interest that you guys would appreciate edgar wright says this is his favorite film of all time i Ew, did see wow. that wow that would yeah. make sense that makes yeah. sense because that you see a lot of the yeah, that lot of moving his- camera, that zoom, that coming back, you know, finding things in the frame, seeing stuff deep mm-hmm. in the frame, that sort of deep focus. That's all Edgar Wright stuff. I totally get that. Yeah, I that totally means, yeah. get that with this. That's so it's cool. one of Spike Lee's favorites too. Spike Lee's <gasps> oh, it's like wow. his top five or something. Great, isn't that funny? I there's Great. really yeah there, there's I, I mean I. I sort of know what you're saying, Jason, but there's, for me, there's, there's never a moment where I sort of drift off or get bored. I, I'm enchanted all the way through. And I love the music is so good. Music Carter is good. Burwell. Carter Burwell. Did, did oh, the, that, right. ha, the music for that Hamlet, that Ethan Hawke Hamlet that I was, yeah. I, I gave him a, a name yes. check a couple episodes ago. That's right. He's you great. did. He's a great it's composer. It's so good. I love, I mean, obviously there's that, that yodeling song that like so I can good. sing. I love it. I can, I, that's, I can sing that all day, but, but even like, like the organ music, the, the music mm-hmm. behind the fight at the end, or it's just, it's, it's beautiful and haunting and expansive. There's also something like I was thinking about this, you know, it's very much like a Western too, you know, yes. and there, and, and the shots, even the way it's shot, it's very, they're very like wide angle shots and it's, it's expansive, like the territory, you know, mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. in the desert and especially the end. I mean, it's very Sergio Leone, mm. you know, with the, with the, with the showdown at the end. But yes. I was noticing just like, a lot of the shots, a lot of them are from down below and almost that fisheye lens look and just, like I said, a wide angle. Yeah. Where like when he's in the room, when he's first stealing the baby, the babies, which is just great when it's just chaos and all the babies get out. Can you, can you explain that sequence to me? That's that, that was a little, I was like, what is he doing? Why is he putting all those fucking babies on the floor <laughs> to like wander off? And too, I don't understand Jason. it. Is he trying yeah. them on for size? Like which one feels like my baby? I, that that was the well, impression that I sort of got. Like he doesn't really know what to do because he says he's like, I think I got the yeah. best one. I guess you know, that's was- it because I was like, why would you keep taking them out and, put, yeah. and losing track of them and putting them on the floor? Why do that? That's crazy. Like pick the cute one and go. Right. <laughs> I think he's also trying to quiet them all. You know what I mean? He's yes. trying to yep. have them not oh, make yeah, noise yeah, yeah. and quiet yeah, he picks them. them up, he's I had the same them. question, Jason. I had the exact same question. I, I, I couldn't like, quite follow his logic. Yeah. 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 But, that, right. that, but I, uh, yeah, that's all right. I get that. <laughs> Randall Jackson Cobb, man, he is funny. 
he's scene, really funny. That he's fucking scene with him good. and and, uh, and Nathan Arizona and Trey Wilson yeah. oh, is that's great. Yeah, good. My friends call me Lenny, except that I don't have any friends. That's a great <laughs> line, and his delivery <laughs> of it is hysterical. <laughs> you know, there have been theories I've read about that people posit that that's High's dad. He is that Leonard Smalls is High's long lost dad. I which, like it. I like this sort of the, the, the theory that you said before, Fred, about like, hey, this is just somebody who's the the evil version of me or the most that's evil what I representation yeah. of, or the, of the of there but the for the crimin- grace of God. Yeah, kind of like, I could be I could become that him. Criminal, yeah. that evil. You know, it's 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 all criminality rolled into one person and all malevolence, really. Yeah. Um, That shot when he first when he first appears, that's actually one of my favorite shots in the movie when Nicolas Cage is dreaming of him. Yeah. He's thinking about existence almost. And he says, Mm. what is he? I wrote it down. He has a great line. Where he says, uh, "That is a cool sequence." Oh God, I can't find it. I don't know what it was, but he's 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 talking about it, and then you see him. It's like a, a POV shot of the motorcycle just going, and going, flames. going, going, and it keeps it keeps jumping back to Nicolas Cage. But it basically it's almost like Leonard Small. He, he throws the grenade, he blows up the rabbit, <laughs> and then he just keeps going, and he's got the Arizona house in his sights, and it's going up, 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 and then it literally like it jumps over cars and everything, yeah. and then it goes into the window, yes, the and then the camera just goes right into Mrs. Arizona's scream. Mm-hmm. And I love that shot. It's just like this unstoppable force that's coming for you. And it's almost like knowing that you're about to have a baby. It's, oh, it's yes, coming. It's going to happen. It's an unstoppable force that's and it's fucking great. terrifying, yeah. you know, and th- you have to face it. You have to face it head on that's, or it'll destroy you. And it's, yeah. I'm going to say something really weird here. Too. Some of that imagery around that section, which is as much Looney Tunes as it is what I'm about to say, which is also mm-hmm. a riff on cartoony uh, pop culture imagery. It, there's something about it that was very natural born killers to me. It had yes. a surreal oh, yeah. kind of, and, very and then, surreal. And then yeah. you've got, there's a little bit of like Mickey and Mallory in, in, in high and, and Ed yeah. a, a little bit. I mean, just a yeah. little bit, just like little shades and slivers. And, you know, I, it's, it's funny, like the things that you think of when you watch something like this, which clearly, like we said, it's influenced Wes Anderson, certainly, but, yeah, I'm sure the Coen brothers have influenced Oliver Stone. It also yeah. made me think yeah. of Bonnie and Clyde. You know, where are we <laughs> yeah. at the beginning and where are we at the end? And and having taken that journey, it's again, it's an odyssey. This movie has epic, big time epic themes going yeah. on in it. Well, and, and when any- you reach the end of an odyssey, there is either death for the villain or a deus ex machina that saves the villain. And that's mm-hmm. what that sort of all is forgiven, you know, thing feels like of like Nathan Arizona saying, you're good. You're fine. I don't know if you're talking literally about the Odyssey or just an Odyssey, but you know that's a big thing for the Coen Brothers, yes. like the big yes. myth and the Greeks yeah. and, yep, and yep, oh yep. brother, where art thou? Yes, is the Odyssey. Is the Odyssey. And I even think of John Goodman in that movie makes me think of John Goodman in this movie because he's daintily eating the chicken. He's eating that chicken right. on the. He's the Cyclops and he's on that picnic blanket and he's eating. He has a way of he has a way of eating chicken yes. off the bone. Only John Goodman can do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the dainty uh, fingers <laughs> working a drumstick. So it's really great. Anyway, so there's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there in the mix. There's, yeah. a lot there's another. On. It's it's hard to. I can't really voice it here. But w- one of my favorite Holly Hunter moments as well. And if you go back and watch the movie, my my 
favorite, favorite moment is I love him so much when he, she just breaks down. Mm-hmm. But right before that, when he first comes down, when he just can't figure out the babies yeah. and he comes down and there's a moment and she doesn't say anything, mm-hmm. but the moment when she sees him walking out empty handed, she makes, she makes this noise where she's just like, Oh, I don't know. It's something where she's so disgusted and upset and it kills me every time it's completely like i said she, there's no words it's just a noise that she makes but you know everything and it's just yeah. i'm like that right there give her an award for that moment it's so good i love this so much it's just, it's just... i know you do how many sheilas i'm going 9.5 i really love it I think I got to get, I think I got to give it a 10. Wow. I think I was, cause I was, I was like, well, yeah, maybe I'll give it a 9.5 because I don't know, maybe is, you know, I guess I can argue that Fargo is, is a better movie, but then I just thought like you've always said before, Jason, like, why, why, no. why don't I just give it a give it what, 10? Yeah, I just, exactly. you, I, you, this, you love it so much. Why yeah, would you give it? I'm, I'm going to give it a full 10 Sheila's. I was going to go do it seven, but I'm going to go eight. I'm we talked to you. So you do yeah, like you it talk, after yeah. all. No, I like I I've always liked it. But so it was good. It I was never gonna be, be like a six point five on it. No, oh, it was never gonna be less okay. than seven. But I had expected oh, it was going great. to be an eight or a nine. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I, I, I don't normally get talked up or down by you guys. I really don't. I tend to like be like, ah, this is where I am with this. But I don't that's know, what I'm it'll do. Go. Doing doing a couple of doses of shallot before the uh, the podcast. I it'll guess do that so. Too. Maybe it's, that's a, it's it. an upper shallot's an upper. It really is. You know, it really. It's not like is. a medved. Medved brings downer. you down. That's a down. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, I'm gonna get the, the, my issues. My, my issues with it are are my issues with it, and I and they're not major, but they're 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 real. And there's I fatigue sets in for me at certain points, but then looking back over it and thinking about all these all these great little details we're talking about um and the fact that it and this is a phrase i like to use a lot it does it it sticks the landing you know that end is so great <laughs> yeah you know that winds up uh that winds up doing a lot there so uh yeah no, oh. eight and good baby acting let's not forget good great baby baby. So these babies baby have nothing acting. on the ch- the baby was no. like nothing compared to the chimp i'm sorry those babies <laughs> I've yet to see a baby that I love as much as Willie the Chimp. But that's you okay. could combine these two movies and have it be the babies that <laughs> fly the planes. No, you could. Oh, I was that. thinking you it could be chimps. if you have Holly Hunter and Nicolas Cage falling in love with and with everything to like kidnap that would be fantastic. Uh, Willie yeah, from that talking. that lab. Yeah. yeah, you could combine the movies. Yeah. Project Arizona or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Let's go good. get that monkey. <gasps> great. <laughs> That'd be great. And Aww. then you put a little outbreak in there. There you are. And you got a great movie. You know, now, now I want to see that movie. Yeah. If you combine, <laughs> see, now here's something greater than the sum of its parts, right? Because it, I, I'm given six to Project X, eight to Raising Arizona. But if you put them together, that's a 10. If you yep. put Holly Hunter, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Cohen uh, Brothers, and Willie the Chimp together, that's it. You got it. And then Willie the Chimp also has Ebola. And is running around infecting people. And Dustin Hoffman or is, Leonard Dustin Hoffman is playing Leonard Smalls, <laughs> trying to chase down the monkey. And what or does Leonard he say? Smalls What's his big line that he says? Then he says, "People are going to die, and will continue dying unless we find that monkey." <laughs> Which was only in the trailer. It was cut out of the movie. It's not uh, in the movie. Uh, Why? Because it's ridiculous. It, it, 
It's ridiculous to see Dustin Hoffman holding, sitting in the CBS newsroom, holding a picture of a monkey saying, see this picture? See this picture of a monkey? You have to find, this is the monkey we're looking for, people. Yeah. Do you see the distinguishing characteristics of a monkey? (laughs) One monkey. One monkey. (laughs) Of billions of monkeys. Showing the picture. Just say like, a monkey, if you notice a monkey in your yard, it probably doesn't belong there. Because you live in uh, Iowa. So let us know if you see a monkey. It's probably in the infected monkey. Oh, Dustin Hoffman. Well, it's not the mail hasn't come yet today, but I'm I'm seeing someone approaching the house. Yeah, yes. Okay, hang hang on a second. Just give me a second, you guys. Yeah. Special delivery. Okay. Yeah, I'll sign for it. Is it to is okay? No, it's from. It says to the opening. It says to the opening weekend podcasters. Oh, wow. It's arrived here. Yeah, I'll sign for it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, special delivery, you guys. Was it Amazon? It no. This is like priority, like double. It says double secret priority mail. Let me just get dig in here. Oh, okay. oh my! It's a big, big giant. Oh, document here. Wow. Top secret. This project is highly classified and for oh, privileged no. and for privileged eyes only. Huh. Project Y. Oh. Oh no. Huh. But it's W H Y. Of course it is. World hybridization yield. The Center for World Crossbreeding. <laughs> In conjunction with Dr. Merlot's Foot Meat Festival, <laughs> knew it, knew it, has proposed this confidential project in order to increase the yield of human-animal hybrids. Phase one, human-murder-hornet hybridization, and phase two, human-quail-salmon hybridization are complete. As oh predicted, there have been no investigations into the whereabouts of the two human subjects. No one seems to care where they are. Well, we knew that. That makes sense. Dreyfus's agent doesn't even care where he is. <laughs> phase, oh my, you guys. Phase three will commence upon the consummation night of the matrimonial joining of these two subjects. If successful, crossbreeding will take place not only across the earth, but across multiple universes slash times. Oh no. The Whoa. CWC which I guess is this Center for World Crossbreeding, has gained proof <laughs> through the... You guys. Yeah. The CWC has gained proof through the use of a time-jumping device utilized on the wildly popular opening weekend podcast of multiverse-enabled communication. Device must be obtained for further study. There's so much here. This is this is many, many Does pages. Does this mean they're coming for the time phone? Oh God! The actor Nick. They can't have it. Uh, we bought it no, from Lloyd Axton. It. It's ours. It's ours. The actor Nick Nolte appears to be essential, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Coffee can, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Lumpy, et cetera, et cetera. Roscoe, et cetera, et cetera. Two Pacinos, differing ages, et cetera, et cetera. All right, this is this is just pages That's and pages. It's a lot to work through. I don't know why I'm laughing. It sounds what? like somebody like we're in tr- some sort of trouble. I don't know. But, I'm gonna um, have. Yeah, this really sounds like really. I mean, it doesn't trouble. sound good. I, I, you know, that's the government is coming for our time phone. 
We recommend all essential personnel listen and subscribe to the opening weekend podcast to learn huh. more about said device, et cetera, et cetera, Hoy well, Axton, a- et cetera, et cetera, Green Goo, et cetera, et cetera. Giving five stars seems to help. This is becoming conspiracy theorist stuff. This is, I think, that, I think QAnon is involved. Hang, hang in all on, of this. hang on, you guys, hang on. Back page here. There's oh boy, a, there's a piece of. Uh, there's always a, a back page. There's a piece of stationery. Let me just rip this off of here. Tote notes. <laughs> That's what it says on the stationery. Tote notes. Okay. Oh boy. You guys, while I could stand idly by and let Nazis try to take over the world. And while I could stand idly by and let my face be melted off by ghosts, <laughs> I can't stand idly by and let this happen. Nefarious doesn't even cover it. Please help. Perhaps this is what brings the arthropod squad back together. Wow. I'm more confused than I've ever been on this podcast. <laughs> this so let me Toast? get this straight. This came from Toad. Let me get and this straight. He's up there. He's up there with Dr. Uh, Merlot no, I- and he sent us this clearly. Can so he write with melted hands? How does that? Di- did, did, he, did he dictate this to someone? I think he someone? dictated it. I think he dictated it. point. How did yeah. think of that? I don't know. Well, so, okay. So I always thought he had, I thought the hands were still in decent shape. It's the you don't face see the hands that's melting off. dripping into everything. Yeah, the hands were in his pockets when the ghosts came out of the ark. So, <laughs> maybe. Okay, so, so let me let me get this straight. Okay, so we've been oh we're sort of pawns. We've been pawns all along in Doctor Merlot's game. That's so what it seems like. Uh, apparently, Sheila was maybe who knows maybe Doctor Merlot made Sheila first listen to the opening weekend podcast. <laughs> she became a fan. She became involved in our lives. It goes back that far. There was there was a day back in like April of last year, almost a almost a year to the day. Oh, when I was at like uh, I was at a, like the CVS or something, and I like you know masked up. It was like I didn't even want to go in, but I was trying to get like toilet paper. We needed supplies, you know, as the beginning of the pandemic. Sure. And the clerk I, I looked a fuck of a lot like Marlon Brando, and I. <laughs> And it was very weird because he didn't know me. I didn't know him. I did think I was like, he's a portly gentleman of a certain age. He, he does have, he's got that very strong nose. I, he's did he have the white stuff on his face? He did He did not at that time, but he was wearing a bucket or, or he had, or a bucket had fallen else. on him. Oh, I see. Right, right, he was right, back right, behind right. the register. Did he and have a miniature version of himself also working behind the register? That, well, there was a smaller, <laughs> there was, I think it was a smaller woman who like did look like she was like half his. I, I don't think it was Linda Hunt was there. It was very, very Linda Hunt. Very oh, Linda okay. Hunt. But as he's handing oh. me that incredibly long receipt. Right. And I thought this was so weird. I was like, this guy doesn't know me. And I just hear, well, maybe I'll maybe I should do a podcast. And I said, what? And I, said, I heard that. It put the idea in my head. And I was like, what? And he said, oh, don't forget those coupons. I was like, oh, you didn't say anything about a podcast? He said, not podcast. No, you got it. Not podcast coupons. I was like, oh. I was like, they don't sound alike. I don't know why, but I guess maybe I misheard him. And he was like, yeah, have a nice day. Never saw him at that CVS again. Wow. But then I, but then it was like, oh, maybe we should do a podcast. Do you think it goes that? That it far back could go that <laughs> deep. May. I mean, you know, the thing that tipped me off was CVS. That's a little too close to CWC, and that puts <laughs> mm. me right there. 
That puts Did you right buy any there. pills when you were there? Did he offer you any red pills to take? <laughs> <He> something? <laughs> I'm always like, taking red pills from guys in this neighborhood. <laughs> but uh, there was. Well, that's that's how that's the best you know shallot you can get. You get them in the pill form. <laughs> you get them in pill, pill form. Shallot. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Edible shallot <gasps> is the best. Yeah. Gummy Most shallots. Potent. Gummy shallots. Gummy shallots. Gummy shallot. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I always uh, have those in my mustache. <laughs> That's what I call them. Gummy shallots. I save them for later. Um, wow. It's uh, this there's is, a lot. There's a lot to be uncovered and unfurled and unspooled well, with this. We said it a couple um, of weeks ago. Somehow, I think, you know, we got it. We got to We got to at least call Nolte and see what he knows. Because because I think all paths lead to Nolte somehow. They with say this, they seem the key to. to the multiverse. Really, really the multiverse. The multiverse. I have been in this business 52 years, and I will—I've never seen anything like this. Thank you, thank you for listening. Well, you know, I was going to say they've—they've—they've listened this far. Now we can tell they actually get a week off to digest all of this, right? (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. We are—we are about to take a little spring break here at opening weekend, but we will be back. Yeah, so digest, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks with an insight into the process of bringing a film from the page to the screen as we travel back to April 28th, 2006, and the release of the Robin Williams vehicle, <laughs> no pun intended. I see mm-hmm. what R- you v- <gasps> RV, written by our very special guest, Jeff Rodkey. Uh, we're thrilled Yay. to have Jeff join us to chat about uh, what it takes to get a script produced in Hollywood and what his experiences were, uh, both on RV and uh, uh, working on screenplays for other Comedy heavyweights, not just Robin Williams, but uh, Eddie Murphy, Tim Allen. He's he's written a number mm. of uh, 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 very uh, successful screenplays in Hollywood, and, and and think he'll have some great insights. And Fred uh, has done the audiobooks for several of uh, Jeff's uh, prior releases, but he's also he's got a new book coming out or is it already out that you're about to it's, do the no podcast? it's coming out in yeah. july it's called lights out in lincolnwood um Ooh. i think i got that right and yeah he's a he's not he's a wonderful author i did he's written a lot of young adult books uh dead weather and sunrise and the tapper twins those series uh, he's, he's a great writer and he's a really super cool guy he's a great we we became friendly after i worked on his first audiobooks and he's he's a great guy and he's 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 I think I, I'm. I think he's gonna have some really interesting tales to tell. Yeah, it's I fascinating. Hope. Yeah, so we'll also be reviewing RV as part of that episode. Uh, but that weekend also saw the release of Paul Greengrass's mesmerizing uh, and uh, and difficult uh, to watch at times 9/11 docudrama United 93. I don't know oh, if you guys wow. ever saw that, but uh, yeah. I I did. I saw it in the theaters, and I remember it being incredible. It'll be interesting to now on almost the 20th anniversary. 9-11 going back and watching that film uh, and that weekend also saw the release of the film Fred's wife and daughter tried to coerce him into adding to his all-time favorite school movies list Aquila and the Bee which Yay. I'm very excited to watch so yeah. uh, RV uh, United 93 and Aquila and the Bee uh, from 2006 that's all coming up in two weeks on opening weekend as we uh, uh, we come into the home stretch leading up to our Big old fiftieth episode uh, in late wow. May, which uh, which I believe coincides with 
the first of the two weddings of the century. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a jam-packed week when we finally get to our big 50th episode. But anyway, thanks so much, everybody, for uh, listening. And Dan, what you got to take us out with? Oh, I think we got to do a little bit of the uh, the Carter Burwell uh, extravaganza yeah. from uh, yeah. Arizona. Wee- oh, this is exciting. Hand farting and yodeling. Yeah, I know. Let's see if I can get it. This is a toughie. This is a toughie. We'll see if I can get it. I know Fred's been looking forward to this one. Oh, I can't wait. So let's see. It's all going to hinge on this first note here. those hand farts degree of difficulty this is the first time i've seen your face get red from doing something with your hands yeah yeah i'm also having a heart attack right now but no (laughs) it's uh no it it, that that one is because of the law you know longer notes are hard to do you know what i mean that modulation hard to do you hats off to you though you did it that was that was that was done with a plum thank you thank you it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, wonderfully uh iconic uh song yeah you did a great job the only the only way it could be better if there was a monkey hand farting and if we got willie in here when we go down to texas to visit willie and we will i'll give him a lesson <laughs> a lesson he'll never forget <laughs> <laughs> a lesson he sorely needs to learn that sounds that's project triple x that's, oh, <laughs> oh jesus christ oh. Oh, why, why, why is your podcast why, that's what the guy said i just uh, i think i'm doing a podcast excuse me just give me my fucking bag <laughs> you'll type in your cvs number <laughs> this way I can trace you. I mean, help you. No, don't do that, Linda Hunt. Don't do that. <laughs> Helen Hunt, you're fine. Holly Hunter, get Linda out. Hunt. <laughs> can we hybridize Holly Hunter and Linda Hunt? <laughs> can we just get the next three customers online say? and hybridize? <laughs> <laughs> The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.